Hey, oh, welcome back to another episode of the Santi Tide podcast, where no matter if it's Eastern time, Western time or Pacific time, it'll always be it'll always be Santi time uh, back again with a new episode. Been a while. Uh, uh, the uh, fall semester is already kicking my ass, but uh, but I'm back again and I have a, I have a brand new guest with me. Uh, her name. <laughs> Hello. Uh, her name is Isabel. Uh, how uh, how did we meet? Oh yes. Uh, from mutuals on Letterboxd. Um, apparently, and um, that and we got along through Insta DMs and 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 yeah. Next thing you know, it uh, we're really good friends now. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> thank guess... you that's very sweet <laughs> i i i know right you can meet you can meet all types of people through a lot of places through like uh through a lot of different like like a through, through a lot like like through a lot of different sites nowadays so yeah uh so how are you today Oh, I'm fine. Um, I'm just right now I'm in like my fall semester break. Uh, my university calls it like relaxation week. <laughs> so it's not like a break mm. or a vacation. But yeah, so I've been uh, taking it easy, trying to <laughs> work on my th- thesis, but uh, doing good. And you? What's, what is your thesis about? <laughs> my thesis is about the relationship between um patriotic history and uh telenovelas or like melodrama if we're being broad i see uh, so <laughs> yeah how uh so so specifically how uh fictionalized television can differ from real world politics got it yeah and <laughs> and how it it like uh, interacts with it too um because i'm i'm using a telenovela that um a historian sort of was watching well, it's like an anecdote that they they say about, and he asked the producers like, "Oh, how how did you find out about like this character?" And then they just told him that they made him up. <laughs> so it's like the relationships with with um, historical fiction and historical research, which I find really interesting. Cool, 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 cool. And uh, I hope that uh, I hope that thesis works out. You know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, usually, and. Uh, and uh, we, and specifically, I invited Isabel to discuss the Fre- to discuss the Shrek movies. And you want to know why? Because, and uh, and 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 you're all probably wondering why am I talking about a franchise that is from a Shrek company? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because of it's because of Smash Mouth's uh, Steve Harwell recently passed away. From liver from liver failure at the age of fifty six. So, so so this episode is basically is now. So 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 this basically gives me a loophole into talking about one of the many things I hold that I love dearly, and that is Shrek, and that is Shrek because Shrek is love, Shrek is life. Rest in peace, Steve. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it, it was very heartbreaking um, hearing the news about Steve's passing because Shrek has become such a staple of so many people's like childhoods and uh, uh, All-Star became like an anthem, both 
like earnestly and ironically on the early inter internet like Shrek was very adopted it had like it sort of pioneered a lot of that ironic meta humor that later was just took off in on the very early internet and it, to this day like Shrek is always in memes and being referenced constantly both off and online it's such an like institution at this point it's crazy yeah yeah really yeah yeah really really crazy just like just specifically how when uh when the first shrek movie starts when the lyric like somebody when uh when the when the owl house door opens like it's a perfect like type of like beat that goes well with the song and uh, i was get i was actually gonna save this fact for later uh apparently uh all Star wasn't written for Shrek. Uh, what I thought the uh, the Smash Mouth song, um, like uh, like like uh, the uh, the Smash Mouth cover of "I'm a Believer" was actually written for Shrek. So uh, so uh, All Star was only a placeholder was only a placeholder for test screenings until a new song could be found. But uh, but the test audiences loved it so much that that the producers kept it in. When the producers decided to keep All Star, they decided to let the band perform. Um, I'm a believer, and the rest is history. Oh wow! Mm. Yeah, I, I had sort of seen when you hear All Star on Spotify, you see that sometimes it's like on the album of I think it's I forgot the name of the movie, but it's a movie. Like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or something. It's oh, like another yeah, unrelated of... movie that uh, I think it was with um, oh, what's his name? Sean I'm forgetting Connery. right now. Yes, it... no, and also like Ben Stiller, I think. But it was like ben a movie. Stiller. Ben Stiller was in <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. What do you mean, yeah. Isabel? It's not no, possible. It was also was made for um. Another movie, I think it was with Ben Stiller, and it was like a failed superhero parody of sorts. That's why the music. I think I know like what you're talking about. Ben All Star was also in that movie. Hmm. Interesting. Yes, and that's okay. Why, okay, uh, I looked it up. I looked up All Star right now. It is so so so. I looked up Smash Mouth on Spotify, and All Star now has at least nine hundred and sixty million listens. Oh wow! Yes, yes, yes. Oh wow! Yes, yes. So like, this is almost to uh, a billion. So like, we gotta like, we gotta reach that goal, you know? Come on, <laughs> yeah. guys. Let's uh, let's get all star to a billion all -star. people. Let's get all star to a billion people. All right. Put it anyway. back on the Billboard Hot 100. I found it. It was Mystery Man. It was a Mystery Man with I've never Ben seen Stiller. No, I've I've never seen it either. But that's why Ben Stiller is at the beginning of the music video. It's like a, they're sort of like judging Smash Mouth like for a superhero league, and then the music video starts. I've never, I, not that I've never watched either Mystery Men, nor the League of Extraordinary, nor Gentlemen. But what I do know is the latter like ruined ruined Sean Connery's career. This movie ruined my career. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've never I've never seen the movie either, but I know from a friend who loves the like comic book um that yeah, it was like a very bad adaptation. Superhero Well, of course Alan Moore hates like 
like Alan Moore hates any adaptation. He doesn't like yeah. his comic books being adapted. That's the thing. Anyway, uh, so Back to I figured, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured uh, we should both uh, um, share about how we both got into the Shrek franchise. Guess I'll start. So mainly, um, mainly growing up, uh, m- like mainly growing up, the family household was a Shrek two family. So, uh, so, so mainly I would watch, so, so, so mainly I've been watching Shrek 2 since I was about, I want to say five years old, right? Pretty sure, pretty sure I saw it in the theater, but I, but, but, but I don't remember. I think I was very young, but, uh, but, but, uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, so basically, uh, I own Shrek 2 on DVD and, uh, that didn't watch the Shrek. Didn't watch the first Shrek when I was very young, but I've seen bit, but but I've seen like bit, but I've seen like bits and pieces of it. But it wasn't until I was eleven years old that I, that that I watched it in full. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, and then with uh, Shrek the Third, uh, me, my sibling, and sister watched it a lot through HBO on demand. That was like before I realized that Shrek th- that Shrek a third isn't actually a good movie. I'll explain why. Yeah. And and um <laughs> and I saw Shrek Forever After in the theater twice. Oh, okay. Well, I have a like a similar situation in that I was born the year the first Shrek movie came out, so I don't have any recollection from either Shrek one or two, like seeing them back then, let's say. But I do, like, my father told me that they, I don't know if he saw it by himself or that he took me as a, like, baby. But um, he said he saw Shrek in theaters and he was very shocked because, well, my father and my mother, like, my parents' generation, and I'm sure maybe your parents' generation too, he was very used to the very classic Disney, like, uh, fairy tale adaptations that were very clean and family friendly and so Shrek is like the absolute contrary of that and intentionally mm-hmm. mocking Disney but I don't remember really seeing them and just like you I re- I, uh, I don't know if in the United States but at least here um, I'm from Colombia uh, by the way for the listeners yeah. some lore um, they they were broadcast on Cartoon Network constantly like Shrek marathons and so so I would see either bits and pieces by just turning on the television or just tuning in to watch them. But I do remember watching Shrek the Third a lot. I don't know why, but it was broadcast a lot. And I also remember thinking it was good until I became old enough to realize it wasn't. It was, it's rather boring and it doesn't go anywhere. I, and it kind of contradicts everything that Shrek stands for, but that's for later. And I did see Shrek the Third in theaters, and I remember liking it, but also being very scared. I must have been around six or seven, but I was very terrified of Rumpelstiltskin. So that's kind of my relationship with Shrek 2. I I wasn't there for its inception, say, but I grew up with its, like, cultural shadow well-established. Yeah, and uh, for some way, shape, or form, Shrek, uh, like Shrek impacted our lives, whether we didn't see them or not, you know, because of it's the memes, you know, like it's impacted through its memes. Anyway, uh, so uh, I'm going to list all of the actors that are that uh, that are in throughout that 
that are throughout the Shrek movies. So uh, not not including like the Puss in Boots movies. That's that's th that's going to be for later. Uh, Mike Myers as Shrek, Eddie Murphy as Donkey, Cameron Diaz as Fiona, John Lithgow, John Lithgow as Lord Farquaad, Antonio Banderas as Puss in Boots, John Cleese and Julie Andrews as King Harold and Queen Lillian, Rupert Everett as Prince Charming, Jennifer Saunders as Fairy Godmother, Justin Timberlake as Artie or Arthur in in in, in Shrek with her. Uh, Walt Dorn as Rumpelstiltskin. And that's about it. Yeah. It's quite a cast of both like early, late 90s, early 2000s, like it's yes. girls and boys like Timberlake and Cameron Diaz. Um, and as well as just like comedic powerhouses from Eddie Murphy to uh, John Cleese, who's like famous from Monty Python and he what? um i have a fun fact but like, they also got in shrek the third eric idol so i'm sure that they were the producers of shrek were huge fans of monty python then. yeah eric idol as merlin in shrek the third yeah. yeah yeah they were yeah 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 they were for sure huge fans of monty python so like it was like 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 it was fun to like uh to like uh to see that magic in those movies. I mean, granted, we were kids, we didn't know what Monty Python yeah. was, but now <laughs> yeah, when we're older, we truly understand that. And uh what's funny is that Julie Andrews is also a bit of a comedy legend. She appeared in two Blake Edward movies, um, Victor Victoria and this other movie that I can't that uh that I can't remember at the moment. But yeah, like she's a bit of a comedic legend as well. Oh, absolutely. I think that um, because I was such a huge fan of The Sound of Music as a child, I always think of like Julie Andrews as speaking, Maria. Speaking of The Sound of Music, when she uh, <laughs> when she bangs her head on the prison wall in the third movie, she hums, um, she hums the these are a few of my favorite things and oh. Sound of Music like simultaneously. Oh, I never noticed that, but that that's amazing. I, yeah, it's it's those kinds of details that make Shrek so rich to revisit as an adult, especially once you like if you're really into film and like com comedy history or just like knowing more about like the two thousands pop culture side guys. Shrek becomes so much more interesting because there are all these like little parodies and uh, references to other things. Um, for example, I think a lot of how the uh, in the Shrek uh, the second they um, have the ju like Sir Justin poster in Fiona's bedroom. Oh yeah, himself too, like when he's like having his existential crisis, and they didn't know when they were writing the movie, but Cameron Diaz was dating Justin Timberlake because he was right, yeah. So it's all these little there some are coincidences and some are just like very great observations, which is something that so many like later kids movies, let's say, try to mimic that became sort of DreamWorks's MO. Like they they made movies that had a lot of double entendre. They were Cameron, great babe, for kids. Did you know that my picture was in parents. the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I cut you off. No, no, don't worry. No, that's that's what I was trying to say. I think that Shrek, like, both established and kind of also perfected because I think that the only other DreamWorks movie that kind of manages to do it as well as Shrek is Megamind. 
is straddling yeah. straddling that line between like parody and and um even pastiche and also like being a kid's movie with a story and and, uh, and, and, and you gotta like and, and you gotta like remember that like 2000 I remember that like the late 2000s we already like we already had like a big resurgence of superhero movies back then uh with the dark knight the first iron man and of course and of course like superman came back in 2006 so um so of course like dreamworks took that idea took the idea of what a superhero can be into Megamind. Felt it. And had the concept of like bad guy wants to be a good guy better than what Despicable Me was trying to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's also both Megamind and Shrek show how tuned in DreamWorks were in like into the pop culture zeitgeist in general. Because Shrek comes uh, uh, to be as like Jeffrey Katzenberg's a little bit of his revenge against Disney um, because he, Shrek is from, told from the point of view of like the villain of the monster. Shrek is the yeah. troll. He's disgusting and gross. Uh, and it's criticizing the Disney Renaissance, which sort of dominated the entire 90s, uh, starting mm-hmm. with The Little Mermaid and like sort of ending with like Tarzan, let's say. But it was all those like the second wave of Disney classics, let's say. And Shrek is criticizing that. And Megamind is then criticizing, like you said, that boom of superhero movies that really solidifies with the start of the MCU and the Dark Knight. So, and I think that's very interesting um, because I think um, a lot of uh, children's media uh, underestimates kids and they sort of Mm -hmm. um, try to keep it very simple and re- visiting the Shrek franchise and seeing just how many little references there are to discover later. It's just, it's, it's because like fun like, to... It's because, like, as children, we like seeing, oh, talking donkey, he's funny, whatever. And then you have, and then, of course, you have, like, oh, like, big green ogre. He looks pretty weird, but I like him a lot. We don't, as children, we never really understood what exactly was happening. We just, like... I thought that we just we just like seeing moving digital pictures, but as adults, like we see the adult jokes in those movies. The amount of adult jokes in the first Shrek oh, movie is crazy. It's you know? crazy. It's you know, crazy. like I didn't, I didn't even, you know, that infamous scene where like Farquaad is like is like under the sheets and he keeps seeing like the picture of the princess on the mirror. Yeah, I didn't even know what exactly he was doing until I was fourteen years old. Oh, uh, the same happened to me when I was rewatching Shrek recently, and the first one. And they, it's when Shrek first arrives to Duloc, and he sees like the giant castle, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, do you think he's compensating for something?" It, it, like I sort yeah. of understood, but I hadn't. It, it hadn't fully sink in just how dirty those jokes were. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, because like you know, like the tower is big, and uh, he's cop and. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I can't even say it because it's too goddamn yeah. funny. Anyway, yeah. uh, and one, and two, and one, two, three. Welcome to Duloc. It's a perfect town where we have some fun. Da 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 da. Wipe your ass, wash your face, whatever. Duloc. Oh yeah, is that's a great. Perfect. Wow, let's do that again. No. <laughs> that's so that's what that was like the scene that i picked out to talk because uh to 
talk about from the first track because I just find it so interesting just how bitter and resentful towards Disney <laughs> like the entire movie is because it's not just like the the Disney uh um, fairy tale format that Shrek is subverting by like you having the monster be the protagonist mm-hmm. but they're fuck also you, yeah, yeah they're yeah, also uh, fuck you Bob Iger <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> they're they're criticizing Disney's entire um reason of existence from the parks to the movies to its mm-hmm. like legacy and I'm that not the monster like, you are <laughs> exactly and the, the parody of it's a small world is so uh i think it's so interesting that they also choose to like parody specifically that ride because it's it's a small world it's like criticized for being very cutesy so they sort of God turn it on its out. head yeah And, I also uh, no 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 go ahead I'm sorry no 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 I'm sorry like what what were you saying oh I wanted to say now that we're uh, I forgot to say when you were talking about the cast but it's sort of like my fun fact about the movies that uh I don't know if everybody knows but originally Chris Farley was gonna yeah. be Shrek but unfortunately gonna... he passed away from an overdose before mm-hmm. they finished the project and then they got Mike Myers. Uh, on board as he was like his SNL um, co co star, and that it's very interesting. Like pe- people from SNL are still breaking out into the mainstream. Uh, I think a lot of uh, Bo and Yang right now, but yeah. like back then in the '90s, say like Adam Sandler's cast, it was full of people that just outside of SNL developed huge movie careers, and Shrek partially also helped cement. Uh, Mike Myers uh, will like alongside say uh, the uh, what's the name I'm forgetting I'm so I'm so forgetful today uh, Austin Powers franchise yeah. but, like this was also like a huge role for him um, and I just think it's very uh, interesting how uh, well I, from what I read on IMDb uh, Mike Myers was very apprehensive at first from taking the role as he felt it would be very respectful to Chris Farley's memory as they were both friends. Uh, but ultimately he decided to take it on as he felt that as they were friends, like he would rather a friend take the role rather than leave it to like a total stranger, which well, I felt, I feel it's like nice of him. It's kind of, it's bittersweet, but it's, yeah. I think it's pretty, pretty nice of him to do that or have yeah. done that. In another universe, Chris Farley would have been Shrek, and uh, and and and, and 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 I'm just thinking about if David, um, and I'm just thinking about if David Spade was Donkey instead of Eddie Murphy. Oh wow! That would be- because like because like they've starred together in Tommy Boy, and yeah. um, and, uh, and David was like really close friends with Chris, and so was Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. absolutely. They were yeah. like the trio. They would they constantly did skits together to a point mm-hmm. that I think Adam Sandler once said that if a skit wasn't funny, they would just like he would just like ask Chris Farley to come on and do whatever. And they it would be instantly like I hilarious. drove a car down by yeah. the river. <laughs> That's amazing. What are you doing in my swamp? Oh, that would be so funny. But 
it's it's one of those things that like we we I know or I think that they have they must have like test well not screenings but st test voice recordings with Farley but um Shrek's Irish accent I Irish um Scottish yeah, accent, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, Scottish uh, accent. Mike Myers's Scottish accent is so iconic that I cannot imagine the character otherwise. Mm -hmm. What are you doing in my swamp? I, I'm terrible at doing a Shrek accent, but I'm going to try. Don't worry. Okay? My, uh, my, uh, my Sean Connery accent may be on par, but my accent is going to need a lot of working to do <laughs> anyway. Uh okay. Uh, what 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 else? Okay, so now we're gonna pick uh funny moments from each movie. So I'll start with the first Shrek. Um, um, it's like a it's it's at the beginning of the first movie, like after the All Star song plays, and it's when like the angry mob like uh comes to Shrek's swamp with the pitchforks and their torches, right? And they're like, uh, and they're scared to like enter his house, right? Shrek like arrives behind them, right? And he tells, uh, and he and he tells them along the lines of, "Oh, well, actually, oh well, I, oh well, actually, not only are we scared, uh, like like not only are we scary, but uh, but we also, but 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 we also squeeze the gravy from your eyes. It's also really really quite." It also tastes well on toast, <laughs> and um, the and one of the mob guys like has a has like has a torch in his face, and he goes, "Get back! I warn you!" And um, he touches the flame with his fingers, putting it out. And I thought, and I and, and that always gets a laugh out of me. <laughs> Oh, that scene is great. The the entire like first half of Shrek in the Swamp is just it's so so funny. Um, my and, uh, the scene. Oh yeah, don't worry. Again, there's ahead. another moment with like another group that uh that confronts Shrek, where like uh, like one of the night guys was all like, "You ogre, uh, I'm here to take you into custody," and he says, "Oh yeah, you and what army?" <laughs> That's great. Um, my the scene. The scene I picked is uh the Fiona and the bird scene when she's oh, like yeah. singing ah and they start ah, like competing until ah, yeah ah, oh, oh. it's it's kind of it's it's funny but it's such dark comedy to the point that I found it kind of scary as a kid like the idea of a bird exploding. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then she it, gets like it's the fictional. It's them, fictional. It's a so bird funny. doesn't blow up when you sing to it. <laughs> of course. But it, it's it's kind of a it's interesting, or at least I think it's kind of interesting as it's it's both comedic and kind of horrifying imagery, but it's just so like iconic and easy to replicate, just like you did. You can start singing and people will understand exactly what you're referencing. So I think that's a scene that stands out to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Following that, uh, Fiona like fights like Robin Hood and his like oh, yeah. merry men in a Matrix like level inspired scene. You know, like uh, how she like how she basically channels Trinity from the Matrix, and then and that and then the whole and that iconic uh moment where like uh like 
<laughs> like where like she jumps into the air, it freezes, and she kicks both and she kicks both dudes in the head. Exactly. No, and that's stripped, do, they that's do stripped the... right out of the matrix. Exactly. They do the camera work exactly the same with the like freeze frame and then turning it around 360, 180. It's an amazing reference. Do you do uh, you like the matrix? Have you have you seen the matrix? I haven't. I'm sorry. What? Oh, oh, the Matrix is so good. The first movie is a masterpiece. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. You should watch it. It's great. You know, so I, I've good. been meaning to. I don't know why I haven't, considering it's such a cultural touchstone. Mm-hmm. And I've been meaning to so many times, but I, I don't know why. I think I just sometimes when a movie is like so iconic, the same thing happened to me with The Godfather. The same, the first time I saw The Godfather was last year. Because I was waiting for like the right time to watch it, so. But yeah, I'll get on it. I'll um, tonight or tomorrow. Uh, like, I'll try to make time to at least so, see, see the yeah, first one. On on Max, it's really good on four K. Okay. Yeah, like there's a four K version of it. Yeah, yeah, there's a four K version of the Matrix on Max, and it looks so brilliant. It's exquisite. Okay, great. Also, yes, especially with the quality thing, because sometimes like streaming services are great in that they make the movie watching experience so available, but sometimes the quality is awful and I, I hate it. <laughs> sometimes you must I don't you know must why, have a but... bad in- you must have a bad internet connection then. <laughs> yeah, I think that's my problem. Um I have to check on that. The thing is that I, I was like uh, moving stuff around and I had to disconnect my internet last month because I was um, refurbishing my library um, and I think that's <laughs> impacted my <laughs> movie watching quality oh no but that's okay let me yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's okay let me know like first matrix movie masterpiece the sequels don't even touch it like a lot of people a lot okay. of people don't like the sequels but I personally like them even though even though I can't remember what exactly happens in them. But anyway, uh so yeah. Uh Shrek 2. We can't we can't talk about Shrek 2 without the iconic dinner scene. Oh, it's so funny. It's yes, so funny. Yes, it is. Like literally like like literally has the beautiful transition of like Shrek meeting Fiona's parents for the first time, and then a transition and and then like uh fade cuts to um to him sitting at the table. Like like him sitting at the table, like Harold's looking at him, looking at him, like Harold's looking at him all wrong, and Shrek doesn't even know how to act at a dinner at at a dinner table with humans, specifically royal human beings, right? And they're just trying to like they're all trying to have a conversation, and um, and yeah, it's just it's it's just great. And then Donkey shows up and. and and, da- and then donkey shows up and um it just gets like better and better and better <laughs> and um as soon as like and of course like oh my god and then i always i always lose my train of thought when i'm talking about certain scenes or movies but yeah uh shrek and harold argue and then it like 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 Shrek and Harold argue, they have they have such perfect back and forth arguing, <laughs> and amidst the chaos, like I like I like how Lillian says, it's so nice to have the family together. <laughs> oh yeah, that's so it's so and, beautiful. 
And um, they lift, like, the roasted pig in the air, and they all, like, shout at each other's names, and then Ducky shouts his own. Oh, that's and, amazing. That's iconic. And then it just ends, and you want to watch that scene over and over again because it's so great. No, it's, it's like, the comedic highlight of the entire film. I This is way before TikTok because I know that it's, like, of course, it was destined to become a viral sound on TikTok. Like, people just use it the... Uh, Shrek, Fiona, uh, Harold, Dad, Donkey. But I remember on YouTube, um, this was, I think it was like the Shrek Retold project. I don't know if you've seen it, which was like recreating Shrek. The, uh, like many, many artists came together and recreated the first Shrek movie. Someone within that project did like this video and it's just like a bunch of, I don't know, it's just like teenage girls <laughs> uh, recreating the Shrek 2 a dinner scene and it went like sort of viral back when it, it they posted it and I just always remember that scene being quoted and recreated uh ever since like the internet allowed video it's so so amazing one of my favorite little jokes inside of the entire scene is that at one point donkey's like I think I'm gonna leave and then they're like dinner's here and he's like okay no I'm gonna stay here it's it's amazing I just love it well when he says that well, he actually says that he was going to go to the bathroom, and then yeah. and then the food arrives, and he goes, "No, wait, never mind. I'll hold it." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fact that it's the bathroom it makes it just funnier. My mm-hmm. the scene that I picked is um, I don't. It's not like as iconic as either the dinner scene or the I need a hero performance, but it's the cops parody, which is called Nights. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The white Bronco thing, yeah. Yeah, the white Bronco thing where they, which is like a reference to the O.J. Simpson case. I I didn't know that. I I did not catch that for many, many years. I I learned that very recently. But um, my favorite thing is one, it's a cops parody, you know, with the Nights. Nights. Yeah, exactly. It's it's called Nights. Yeah. And uh, my favorite joke within the like the larger parody of it all is they're like arresting them and they grab Puss in Boots and they say like, what is it? And he's like, oh, it's I, it's like catnip. I was holding it for a friend. Oh, yeah, think, yeah. It's just because, such an amazing. Because catnip is like a drug for cats. So I like yeah. how they like portray it as like a bag of cocaine. <laughs> exactly. But I just think that it's such a. It's such a hilarious joke, but also very like I I wouldn't have gotten it when I was a child at all. Like <laughs> it took me twenty years to finally understand. I didn't know yeah. what weed or cocaine were when I was six. So, <laughs> but it's just so great. Uh, but Shrek, I'm a husband. Shrek, ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Shrek, I'm a husband. Shrek, ow, ow. Pause. Well, talking about Shrek. To, what's your opinion on like human Shrek? Because uh, uh, people I on the internet, something this is a, this is going to be a big hot take, but I prefer human Shrek. I kind of do too. I like he his looks design. so good with his wavy yeah. curly locks, how he dressed, and like 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 how he dressed, his lips. Oh my god, he I looks even... very nice, like very friendly and huggable while still looking kind of like his uh, troll design sort of mm-hmm. I, I mean I, uh, yes but I think like the franchise would have been like much different I think the franchise would have been like 
would have felt different if he stayed human, but I really liked human Shrek. And after all, uh, you could say that Shrek 2 perfectly like uh, kind of ends Shrek's story pretty well, if not for Shrek the Third and Shrek Forever After. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. Shrek Forever After also does end Shrek's story yeah. again. You know, like uh, this is kind of this is uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go outside it. I'm gonna go outside of the franchise for a bit. This is like, 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 uh, like this is specifically how the Mandalorian season two ended, which felt like a series finale because it literally ended Mando and and it it literally ended Din Djarin and Grogu's story perfectly, but then like season three came around and. And it felt like Disney and Star Wars didn't like how they ended it. So how they ended it. So they so they unnecessarily reunited Din Djarin and Grogu like uh throughout like 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 in the book of Boba Fett and then and then season three of Mandalorian had like had like a bunch of like nothingness into this movie. This is just a bunch of like filler side quests. With Dinjarin and Grogu, like uh, hanging out with Mandalorians, it's 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 so it's it's so pointless. Anyway, um, you know, it, but but anyway, um, yeah. So, but yeah, I like, but, but yeah, I like Human Shrek and uh, do, and uh, Donkey's new uh, and, and uh, Donkey's change when he's the white horse. Oh yeah, kind of like amazing. <laughs> I, I I I kind of like that. This is why I think Shrek Two is the perfect sequel for me. It encapsulate it further. In fact, it further improves upon everything that made the first Shrek, the the first Shrek, an important staple of the early two thousands. Meaning that, with like with like a with Shrek. With the first Shrek like being the first animated movie to win an Oscar for best animated feature, you have Shrek Two being the first sequel to uh to win for best animated feature and th- a feature like you expand upon you expand upon Shrek's world by putting him in far far away, which is literally which is basically Beverly Hills, but it's oh, yeah. a fairy tale setting, and that a. a you give a bunch of well layers to uh to uh Fiona and where she came from because you know onion because you know ogres have layers onions have layers like whatever the fuck and um and um the side characters are more explored you have uh, the fairy godmother is such a great great villain and Prince Charming is such a hilarious archetype on the idea on the idea of Prince Charming that he's a the, the that he's a stereotype for a princess to get with, and and, and and that he's actually portrayed on being a mama's boy. I think that works so well. And um, Holy. what's up? Oh no, yeah. That now that you were talking about like expanding its world building to far, far away, far, far away. It's also just such a great, like again, like you said, Beverly Hills, like also a parody of like two thousand sort of California celebrity culture. Because mm-hmm. uh, fairy godmother is kind of like an image or manager. He's is like he's a mama's boy, but he's also like a celebrity, like a pretty boy, right? Prince Charming, and mm-hmm. his mother is his manager, and yeah. so it's sort of 
plays with those like royalty or celebrities, right? And again, the joke with Sir Justin and there's also like a little joke in when there's like the uh, gingerbread cookie man when his giant is like destroying <laughs> far, far away, uh, going to the castle that some people run out Bongo. of. Uh, yeah, he runs out of uh, like this, uh, the Starbucks parody called, I think, Farbucks. Farbucks. Yeah, yeah. Farbucks. And they cross the street to another Farbucks sort of joking around how there are like tons of Starbucks. Yeah, California yeah. On literally around. every corner, especially in New York City. <laughs> exactly. And so um, it's, it's both uh, an expansion on world building, but also like, Shrek's relationship with the pop culture zeitgeist of its moment it's, it encapsulates it so well even if it's not directly like reimagining I think it's just so great yeah 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 it is great and of course it has and of course Shrek 2 has one of the best third acts in an animated movie ever made and that that you have that with Jennifer Saunders like take on I Need a Hero you got Mongo, you got like that whole dancing number, and then <laughs> like like you got the no you got the whole dancing number, how it ends. It's all great, you know? And yeah, uh and, also, and what if what if I said Shrek 2 was slightly better than Spider-Man 2? What then? Huh? What would you say to that? <laughs> I I'm gonna agree. I think that I love <laughs> Spider-Man 2 and I've grown to love it even more uh, in recent years as I've rewatched it and revisited more. And like Alfred Molina is just amazing in that movie. But I think that um, Shrek 2 builds on the themes of the first Shrek a little better than the Spider-Man 2 does in relation to the first Spider-Man movie. Because the whole thing with Shrek is also like self-acceptance, right? Like Shrek sort of isolates himself because he's like, oh, I'm ugly, I'm a monster. And at the end, he gets with Fiona and sort of like starts letting people in and loving himself. And in Shrek 2, it's taken to a whole nother level with uh, Fiona and Shrek having to confront not just like Shrek's inner hatred, let's say, but like the world at largest prejudices against ogres and uh, like in general, anything that isn't uh, conventionally attractive or like human in the case of this fairy tale world. And I just think it's very sweet, like this this message of self-acceptance. And they, they don't use that word, and I think it's a little anachronistic, but a little bit like diversity, right? Like mm-hmm. in the sense that it's like accepting all kinds of people. Right, yeah, that's that 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 really is such a great point. And um was like and uh, what and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. And follow-up question. Do you prefer human Fiona or do you prefer or, or do you prefer ogre Fiona? Um, well, here's a little bit of a fun fact. I used to have a Fiona doll, like a Barbie doll of Fiona that you oh, could put a nice. mask on. So the, the base doll was human Fiona. And then you put like a mask on and she turned into ogre Fiona. Like you put like gloves, green gloves on and green shoes on and that's how she turned into ogre fiona um but i i always really liked uh human fiona because she was ginger i don't know why like she has uh you can't tell all the time but she has like freckles and her braided hair is like ginger i just thought that was a very cute design overall but uh 
uh, ogre Fiona is really, really, really cute as well. Uh, yes. Even if ogres are meant to be uh, ugly, I think with because she has like hair, she looks very cute. Shrek is bald. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a uh, he's a bit yeah yeah he's a bit he's a bit bald. That's yeah yeah he 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 is a bit bald. But yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I think yeah yeah human Fiona looks great, but uh, looks looks really really good, and ogre and ogre Fiona looks great too. They're both equally beautiful, which is how which is why Shrek falls in love with her like in the first place because like she's probably because he's basically just as much of his not just as much of, <laughs> of an ogre as shrek is like they're oh, both absolutely. like yeah 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 they're both like equally different people but 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 as a whole like they care deeply for one another you know like uh that uh that that whole bonding moment that they have when they eat like roasted when they eat curly toed rat on the on the Barbie, like that's cute, you know. Oh, absolutely, and it's also kind of playing with this idea of like loving people at their worst. Let's say like Shrek falls in love with Fiona because she starts like not behaving princessy in front of him, but more like herself. Like she burps in front of him, and mm -hmm. uh, she's like aggressive and violent. Like again, the Matrix reference when she fights the Merry Man, and so it's also. Like this idea of accepting people as how they are and not how they pretend to be, and it's very it it creates a very compelling romance. That well, I think Shrek Forever After is uh, well, I think it's like way better than Shrek the Third. It's kind of at least to me kind of sad seeing Shrek is. kind of regret his marriage because they look so in love in the first and second movie. Okay, yeah. Well, like mainly it's because like like Fiona like literally wishes upon a star that every day could be like this one, meaning that they basically relive the same day over and over again. I don't yeah, know. I, I, I do get that a little bit. Like, that's like a little that, less I, depressing. <laughs> I mean, like that's how I interpret it. Like uh, others can interpret it as Shrek like uh living like like uh being like being like uh what's the word? being burnt out on being like on on living on on living on living the married life like uh, raising kids that like every day feels like that that every day that 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 every day it's the same like uh you change your baby's diapers you like you change the baby's diapers you uh you go like like uh you go to the outhouse you uh you have dinner with a donkey and his babies and dragon i'm, I'm I don't think dragon shows up. Just donkey, the babies, and puss, and um, and yeah, like it's just like to him, it's like it's all, and and then to him, like it's all the same, and and, and so it's that Shrek is like literally accepted by everybody, like and nobody really hates him, and now he's like, and and now he's also like getting sick of it, like he's seen as a joke, like he's not feared. Think that that he's not really feared and just wants to like go back, and, and, and that and he just kind of wants to go back to to being feared, to being to uh to being feared, to feel 
like like back when back when how he says it back when the world made sense meaning to him the world hated him like dude why you like like this i never understood like why would you want to be feared again you had a wife who loves you you had children you have children you have friends i mean like granted he didn't figure that out until after he signed that contract with Bubble Stiltskin, which you should never do. You should never sign contracts with people you don't know. Okay? Like, uh, that's... Exactly. Okay? Meaning that you don't... Okay? You never know who you... You never know, like, what... Like, like what you might get yourself into. Um, also, uh, I think Shrek Forever After is also an allegory on child stars, like, signing contracts with, like, big with like big music corporations not knowing what to get yourself into mainly uh mainly uh Justin Bieber like signing with a scooter mining with like uh, signing with Scooter Braun at Republican like like signing at Republic Republic Records or whatever and now like everybody's leaving Scooter Braun and I have yet to know what the hell he did okay oh yeah i i never thought of it that way but yeah i know that Scooter Braun like his big controversy first what was with taylor swift's catalog yeah. but i i yeah, don't know he, what uh, else he's yeah, done. yeah when he uh when he sold um taylor's like original original five albums but good for her for like retaking retaking all of her oh, songs absolutely. back i'm so excited for 1989 tv yeah that was my favorite taylor swift album uh, oh in, really like, Oh really? Yeah, well, uh, when it came red. out, it was my favorite. Mine's red, red is my. <laughs> I loved red when it came out, but when 1989 came out, I was upset, obsessed with it. Uh, but now red is my favorite. It was like my favorite album in my like middle school, beginning of high school years. 1989, I loved yeah. it. Uh, but no, yeah, it's cool. I I re- I don't. I think that in general, Scooter Braun has just kind of fallen out of favor with so many people in part because of who he associates with but again it's like like many terrible <laughs> men in Hollywood uh, I don't know exactly what uh, besides the Taylor Swift scandal exactly what else he's done but like I know he kind of joined into Kanye West's like Taylor Swift smear campaign so maybe yeah. people are sort of distancing he's also, like he's also a Republican voter Oh, I did not know that at all. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Icky. Scooter is icky. Yeah. And I, in short, absolutely. I compared Rumble Stiltskin to Scooter Braun, guys. All right. Oh, anyway. I, I never heard of that. Well, talking about Shrek Forever After, I read on IMDb that they actually consulted with um uh, marriage therapy counselors, like marriage counselors to like realistically depict like Shrek's uh, midlife crisis of sorts okay. and that the reason he wants to go things to by, like back when they met, made sense as you quoted it's because like when he Shrek was feared in one hand he sort of felt freedom as he didn't have like the parental responsibilities of caring for babies but he also had like a like a clear and defined social role and now that he's a father he feels like and he's no longer feared and he's accepted it's kind of foreign to him because it's like his role was to be the ogre to be the monster to be uh, scary and now he's no longer that so he feels sort of uh, aimless like he his life doesn't have the same purpose of sorts like people like to feel they they fit into like the social hole in a specific way right like people mm-hmm. in friend groups to think i'm the funny one or i'm the i don't know i'm the nice one 
Uh, and I think that's sort of what Shrek Forever After is depicting, like Shrek sort of not seeing the thing, the good in his life by sort of romanticizing his his past, thinking, oh, no, but back then I had like a function of I, which was being feared, which isn't mm -hmm. very nice, but <laughs> to him, it makes sense. Right. Right. Right, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, 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 good on you for uh for remarking the marriage counseling thing. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And uh, I did, I did have a fun fact from uh from Shrek Forever After. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin was originally going to be voiced by uh Paul McCartney. Yeah, that's so weird. Paul McCartney was going to voice Rumpelstiltskin. Now, now I'm just imagining him like having like a musical number. Where he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, I am the king far, far away now. Oh, uh, oh, I don't believe in yesterday because I manipulated an ogre to sign a contract for me. <laughs> that I would love to see what Trek Forever After would be like then. But I'm a huge fan of Paul McCartney, like huge, huge, huge. Oh, who is He's like one of the most talented yeah. songwriters on the planet. No, and he's so sweet in interviews, and um, he he he's still in the public eye, but he's so like nice and generous, even in his uh, third right. age. But oh, I'm sorry, it's my dog. <laughs> um, oh my god, you have a dog. Yeah, his name is Charlie. He's a little puppy. He's only oh, that's two right, years yeah. old. Oh, you got a puppy. Oh, yeah. I got a bottle of shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But what was I saying? Oh, yeah, Paul McCartney. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Paul McCartney to a point that's a little concerning. But I I hate to say it. He isn't the greatest actor. He's he not. did a little cameo in, I think it's Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, Four. yeah, yeah. Dead Men Tell and, No Tales. Yeah. Yeah, which the is cameo like a little was... cameo. It's it's fine. He's covered it's in pointless. makeup. and. Yeah, it's pointless. It adds nothing to anything. Uh, but I saw like little bits. I don't know if you know this, but Paul McCartney did this movie in the eighties, uh, which was it had like this accompanying album, which was he was doing it when Wings was was sort of falling apart, and oh, it's called yeah. uh, so, something about Broad Street. I I I forgot the name right now, but the movie is not amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the music uh... is fine. And funny that you mentioned Wings, uh, the song Live and Let Die was used in oh, Shrek yeah. the Third for Harold's passing. Yes, I had forgotten that. But yeah, I the Shrek the Shrek movies also have great soundtracks. Um, um like so many great movies. Oh my movie god, tracks. yeah, they do. Beyond they do. All Star. It's kind of like they're sort of uh, the Guardians film's spiritual successor in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's a pretty neat uh, comparison. But only the songs in Shrek are covers, whereas in Guardians, they're completely original songs that James Gunn got to use. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure, I think maybe it's the MCU money they could license them. Uh, yeah. But I think that the fact that it, it ends with an all-star, well, in the at least the first one ends with the cover of uh i'm a believer but by smash mouth it also kind of add to the 2000s-ness of the shrek movies yeah um this is gonna be this is also gonna be a hot take uh 
I think Weezer's version of I'm a Believer is dog shit. <gasps> yeah, it is. It's it not is. that great. It's not. I, I like it's Weezer. Really not, it's really not great. No. I like, listen, as much as I like Weezer, like, like their their cover songs are complete shit. <laughs> yeah, like, I like Weezer. I'm not the biggest fan, but I, I like them just fine. And I think that Weezer covers have their ups and downs, but like, for example, the Teal album has some really rough covers that yeah. I just think are like lesser versions of their original. Like, I, I love africa by toto but their cover is so like stale and oh my... scaled back in comparison of... to the original it came out of nowhere it was the worst thing i ever heard in a car radio jesus christ yeah the video is funny it has weird out but beyond that the teal album being just like a album covers is kind they of will never be whatever out. <laughs> oh exactly does weird out appear in shrek in any capacity i don't know why i feel He's been in the what? franchise, but I'm not sure. He could have, like, like he could have been, but I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, oh no, no, so he wasn't. Can we, can we, uh, can we shit talk uh, Shrek the Third now? Because I have a lot. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. Okay, okay. Listen, fault having a third movie live up to a perfect sequel like Shrek Two is difficult. I can understand that, but you have to at least make this movie funny and interesting, right? Yeah, and it makes no thematic sense. As it just like the whole thing with Trek, and even Trek Forever After, is sort of like accepting yourself. It's self acceptance and acceptance of others. And the ending of Trek the Third is kind of like, no, actually, you just kind of have to um, do what you're told to do and live up to others' expectations and. Uh... Yeah, it's. I, I just think it kind of it, it takes Shrek's character absolutely nowhere. The Arthur or well, Artie, if we're using like the movie's names, yeah, uh, stuff is is it's in theory very interesting. Like oh, fairy tale or more so like a medieval legend character, but as a teenager and he can't live up to the expectations that are imposed on him. Like it's interesting on paper, but they do really little to nothing with it that's like substantial and of course like they had an excuse to put justin timberlake in there because he was very popular in the 2000s at that point like yeah. since it's like a since it's like split from nsync by the way uh by the way last night at the vmas uh like uh, like a uh, jt and his nsync buddies are uh, reunited for a performance oh really i did not yeah, watch the vmas but uh i, 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 I didn't heard because that. i don't care like I didn't because I don't care for that award show as much as I did before, but you know. Oh yeah, the the beam, I don't know. Like award shows have sort of they're been so struggling they're to so be awkward. Interesting. That's the problem. Like yeah, no, like 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 they're so awkward. They say they <laughs> like they say a tasteless joke about a celebrity in front of all like in front of all those in front of all other celebrities it's embarrassing oh my god okay and Um, i also oh no go ahead don't worry no 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 you were saying you were saying something oh yeah no that i also think that award shows have suffered because they're trying to be trendy like they have they're trying to get viral moments but like all the viral moments that have come from award shows in recent years are like mistakes or like 
things that were not planned at all. Like, for example, the well, I remember the scandal of the La La Land Moonlight Best oh, Picture debacle, for example. Yeah. But like, those are things that are mistakes, and it, they make it seem all very unprofessional. And then they try to sort of capitalize off of that, but it just seems like desperate. They're trying to go viral on social media, but it it doesn't take. It's just very yeah. not serious at all. I just I just miss when actual like comedic like I, I just miss I just miss when act when uh yeah I just miss when uh comedians like uh Billy Crystal like hosted award shows like like the Oscars and they and they actually made it funny but now we have but now we have untalented untalented and un unfunny people like Jimmy Kimmel like host these kind of things and it's not interesting at all exactly like I think they awards shows, awards shows should like just try and be professional at least because they just become like ridiculous and cringy both as a viewer from like an audience perspective but also like the celebrities in attendance all look so bored all the time yeah Hey, when's uh when is this gonna end? I wanna be home with I wanna I wanna go home to my kids. All right, anyway. Um Yeah, <laughs> back on track. Let's get back on track. Okay, Shrek Shrek the third. Uh I I really um this doesn't open with the storybook, which is weird. Oh yeah, it doesn't. With yeah, the storybook this is like, this is like how, that's so weird. I'm gonna give a recent example. This is like how this is like how um Dial of Destiny, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny didn't open with the Paramount Pictures logo transitioning into a mountain or something like that. It just started with like like it just started with the Lucasfilm logo and it didn't transition into anything. It was weird. Anyway, um and um where was I going with this? Oh yeah, and I think Prince Charming as the villain is kind of stupid. Like his whole motivation is that he wants to kill Shrek because <laughs> because he's somehow responsible for 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 fairy godmother disappearing. Like okay, and that he never got with Fiona. Oh my god! And he wants to like put on this play so that he can actually kill him for the whole world to see. That is th- like like that is such temper tantrum bullshit oh my god yeah it's just a, a rethread past movie except that while i i do love the prince charming character he works better as like the comedic foil to an actual villain which was mm-hmm. fairy godmother on his own he's trying to be villainous but also they're still using him to make jokes mm-hmm. which is great like that's what the character works best for but it's it doesn't it doesn't have carry the same weight as Shrek 2. Mm-hmm. It just feels it, like a repetition but lesser. Master, it's blistering winds. I climbed the highest room the, the highest the, the highest to, to the highest room in the highest bloody tower. Exactly. And it, it just also like it sort of makes sense but the like I'm gonna put on a play and then murder him on during the play, uh, sort of scheme, doesn't entirely work. It's kind of weak because like he could either just kill him straight up like secretly or 
I don't know. I don't know. The the play thing, like the play has funny moments, but it doesn't work as a scheme. Oh yeah, like oh yeah, like when Shrek like embarrasses like Prince Charming with a bunch of like quips. Yeah. Yeah. And um and I just don't get why like 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 I just don't get why like Prince Charming like recruits the villains from from that pub. He's like, oh yeah, uh I it's like, oh yeah, you guys are bad, right? Well, let's do bad shit together and take over far, far away and shit. I don't know. Like oh. Yeah. I also think that the as much as I love Monty Python and Eric Idol, the Merlin stuff is also kind of pointless. Yeah. This sort of happens. And fun fact, here's my it's not really a fun fact. It's more of a <laughs> kind of a sad fact, but uh, I don't know if you remember, but at one point in Shrek the Third, they do like the coconuts thing to make like noises for the horses galloping, yeah. like during the play. And Eric Idle, when he saw that, when they were like uh, finishing the film, he threatened to sue them because he said they were uh, plagiarizing Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where they do the same thing uh, of the coconuts. They don't ride horses; they're like banging coconuts the entire film together. And well, okay. uh, I'm glad he didn't because at the end, uh, um, uh, DreamWorks told him that you cannot like have uh, intellectual property of a coconut. <laughs> like it's the the the, the coconut. So are funny. Just, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the coconut idea. The, the coconut idea was mine, <laughs> or whatever he says. I don't know. And um. And 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 I also find it funny that like that uh, that Shrek and the gang were like were uh, pressuring Merlin to send them back with the spell that he thinks he knows how to do, but it ended but it ended up switching the bodies of Donkey and Puss. Oh yeah, I I think that's 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 a good part. It's a good little that's, bit. That's one inside. of the only few good yeah, parts. Exactly. You know, like uh, how a uh, how a cat acts in a donkey's body, and how a donkey acts in a cat's body. Yeah, and also I just uh, well, he's introduced in uh, Shrek too, but Antonio Banderas is also just so also amazing. a donkey licking his own hoof is so disgusting. Because like yeah. you know what, it's gross. Because like you know what, donkeys and horses like step on they step on their own shit, and they don't even know it. So basically, yeah, like, he's licking his own shit. Yeah, cats like sort of their own hygiene is more like well, cats are usually not very like outside animals. So yeah, they're yeah. dirty, but they're not as dirty as say like well, at least my siblings a donkey cat. on the, in the at least horse. my siblings cat is not a male, so there's that. But uh, but my dog is so like uh, my dog like uh, my dog is a male, and I keep telling him to not lick his own balls, but he but he still keeps doing it. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, but, but but granted, he's still a baby. I mean, wait a minute, no, he'll be a year old soon. He'll be a year old in November, which means he's probably still doing it. Oh dear God, he'll never grow up. Damn it! Oh no! Anyway, um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Another thing, um, I don't like I don't like most of the jokes of Shrek the Third. Like they're usually they're usually the same. Like uh. I get, like, uh, I don't get why that, I really don't get why the movie was trying to, like, set up for Shrek to become loyalty, such that it's, 
since that it should be Fiona to be the queen, since that she's literally the heir, and I don't know, and I don't know why Shrek has to be, and and I don't really get why Shrek has to, why uh, why Shrek is the main focus on how to like be the king. He could just be called the queen's husband and not have a king title. Oh yeah, I mean, kind like, of like uh, the the English monarchy has that rule, right? Like yeah. the rightful heir is whoever is like the direct descendant. It's not like the yes, male. Yes, Fiona's a direct and, descendant, and not Shrek. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because the, a lot of the conflict from of the movie stems from like King Harold's passing, sort of putting the pressure on Shrek to perform. And it's another funny part of the movie, like the montage of him sort of failing to be a royal. Like he yeah. breaks like the bottle on the boat and then the boat sinks. I think that's that's yeah. pretty funny. But oh, other than oh, that, also, it like, makes uh, Oh, and also uh he probably killed the guy that he tried tonight, you know? Oh no, exactly. That's like that that's also the, the joke, the entire the point of that scene is that listen, he failed listen, we, at nighting him and he just to anyone, to anyone who wants to be king or who wants to be prince, when you knight somebody, you don't look at the audience trying to knight them. You're going to end up... You're going <laughs> to... Like, you're going to end up piercing their collarbone. <laughs> Absolutely. and But it, it it's weird because, like, Fiona is present during those scenes because, again, she's the princess, but she's sidelined. And it's, again, like you say, it's so weird that sort of like, again, everything is Shrek when he, well, he, I actually, he was brought I actually, into the royal family. Well, well, actually, I think the bridal shower stuff is pretty funny. Like uh, when one of the princesses asks Fiona, like, hey, like, are you getting any cravings? Because part of pregnancy is having craving yeah. symptoms. And she's and Fiona's like, oh, um, not at all. And she's like stuffing her face with cake. And like that's oh, a yeah. common thing because women who are experiencing pregnancy don't know that they have cravings when they're stuffing their face with food. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I and... I, I, I I I like uh someone who like uh anybody who listens to the podcast can like uh could send me more information about about pregnancy symptoms but 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 yeah anybody can tell me that i'm wrong about that but anyway um <laughs> uh what 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 uh okay i i really i am not a fan of harold's death scene like i really don't like that it's played for laughs like i really don't like he basically dies three times and it's played for laughs. I mean, like, not not the third time, though. Like, twice when it happens, he dies twice, and it's played for yeah. laughs. When you're having a major death, you don't don't you don't make it funny unless, like, a, like a, you don't make it funny unless it has a purpose. It has to be tragic. You want to know why? Because he's the king of far, far away, and it because he's the king of far, far away, and it's supposed to, and it's supposed to. I can't even get the fucking words out. Anyway, um, and and also, like, I really don't like how the death scene like starts to begin because, like, when somebody bursts in, Shrek's like, "Well, somebody, what? Well, well, somebody better be dying." And then it cuts to Harold coughing. He goes, "Oh, dying." That's not funny at all. That is the most tasteless thing you could ever do in an animated movie. Yeah, I I think also a problem 
not just with this like in this scene in particular i think it's like particularly uh easy to spot but throughout the movie the delivery and the like comedic timing is really off because mm-hmm. they do the whole thing again of like Harold dying like twice but there are like these awkward pauses that I imagine they were sort of imagining the audience laughing at those points. But when you're watching like the movie in mm-hmm. like by yourself uh, alone, it's like very long pauses. Like, and I don't know if yeah. it's like John Cleese improvising as Harold, but it's very awkward overall throughout the entire movie. I mean, yeah, like with his Monty Python experience, like he for sure improvised much of it. You know? Yeah. And no, um, I'm... and this is also this is also like watching No Way Home at home because like there are a lot of like a because there are a lot of paused moments for applause, like specifically with Andrew Garfield's um appearance in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, I saw No Way Home in theaters, but in a very empty theater. It was a like a huh? <laughs> early screening, and so the pauses were very awkward because it was like two 12 year olds laughing and clapping and everybody else silent so i saw the movie in theaters in a very awkward setting mm, okay because like not a lot of people know it, because i'm sure not a lot of people know what spider-man is but okay <laughs> yeah i think it was also just like the audience that day just wasn't feeling it i wasn't feeling yeah. it either so <laughs> i don't blame them. granted gr- that that's yeah yeah, uh, yeah, and that's that's totally that's I totally get it. I totally get that. By the way, uh, do you want to know the names of the kids of Donkey and Dragon's children? They have names. Yes, they, they have like they have oh, names. Okay, I didn't know they were named. I just sort of remember them being like the funny donkey dragon hybrids. <laughs> Go ahead. What are the names? Coco, Debbie, Peanut, Parfait, and Bananas. So like a banana split, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yes, yes, because like the baby did a split, and the doggy's like, "Oh, I'm gonna call this baby bananas," you know. <laughs> and um, and there's actually a funny moment where like where Donkey puts like rescue the babies, and like puts this like, and Donkey's like my babies, but they tackle Puss and Donkey's body instead, because like. Because, like, they don't know that his dad is in a cat's body. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten that scene. Yeah. But, yeah, it's great. I think that the whole thing with, like, uh, Donkey and the Dragon is in general, it's kind of weird, like, Mm -hmm. to think about it, if you think about it for more than two seconds. But it's just, it's really funny overall. Like, the fact that they're, like, Donkey-Dragon hybrids, it's just, it's very iconic Mm -hmm. in its own role. Okay, okay, actually... I think another I think another scene that I actually got a laugh out of is when during Shrek's dream, when like he wakes up from that dream, he's actually in another dream where like Donkey and Puss have like the baby's faces on them, and Donkey goes, da da. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. Oh, that's it's so which is it's also like it's interesting i don't know at least to me when i was younger i always found those scenes they're funny now but i always found it kind of scary and uncanny which is i think in shrek the the forever after they really play a little bit with that 
mm-hmm. uh, still skin, for example, being really scary and Shrek's like nightmares. <laughs> uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. Uh oh. Uh, trying to trying to think. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I don't think. Uh, I don't think I can. Well, actually, um. Okay, so there are a lot of sign spoofs in Shrek Tale. There's Burger Prince, Old Navery, Saxon Fifth Avenue, <laughs> Romeo Drive, First Archery, Gap Queen, Farbucks, Friars Fat Boy, Tower of London Records, Baskin Robin Hood, FFPS, Barney's Old York, and Abercrombie and Witch. Which is your favorite? Um, the Tower Records one, the London Tower Records, was it? Tower of London Records. Oh, Tower of London Records. I, think I like that all. I like all the knavery. Old knavery is great too. Yes. They're all great. They're all yeah. very clever. <laughs> just clever, just clever spoofs of of corporate stores. I like that. Uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, Shrek Two has a post credit scene. Did you know that? No. The Shrek 2 as a post credit scene. It's the introduction of Donkey's Babies. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because, I've like, ne- after. Yeah, yeah, after the Viva, after the Living La Vida Loca. Yeah, Loca. Loca show, like, the show is over. The post is like, hey, come on with. He's like, hey, come on with us. And, and that's it. And then, like, Donkey sees. And then Donkey sees Dragon visit. And Dragon's like, hey. And Donkey's like, hey, what are you doing here? And the babies come and tackle him. Because like oh. earlier in Shrek 2, like, like, like Donkey mentions that, oh, like Dragon's been all moody these days, which is another like pregnancy system, like you know, being all moody. Like a change in <laughs> yeah. mood. Yeah. And which indicates, oh my God, she's pregnant. I mean, like, I never caught that because, again, I was a because then I was a child when I watched this a lot. But now I look at it as, oh, wow, Donkey and Dragon are already are already having children. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know I had a post credit scene. Um, well, also, nowadays, how does it work? How did Donkey and Dragon just do the deed? I'm just wondering how it works because she's obviously bigger than him. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a question that I think many of us have asked ourselves, but I don't think nobody really wants the answer to. <laughs> I don't right, know if yeah. I, I want like some detailed um, dragon anatomy. Uh, like I don't know, I just explanation from DreamWorks. I just really, I just really couldn't help but think about that because because yeah, Ducky and Dragon are the most well known couple in DreamWorks history, but you can't help but wonder. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. uh, okay. So, uh, so, 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 this is a fact that I that I really like from, from. Actually, no. Uh, did we did we talk about? Oh, okay. So, oh, okay. Like we haven't really gotten that much in depth in Shrek Forever After. Um, so, do you want to know who the three ogre? Who three of the ogres in Shrek Forever After were voiced by, who were part of the resistance? Yeah. So okay, it's yeah. it's John Hamm, Jane Lynch, and Craig Robinson. 
Oh wow, John yeah. Ham. Yes, really? John Ham, Mad Men. Like, John Ham. He exactly. was uh, and yeah, he was uh Brogan, the uh the uh, the buff um ogre guy. Oh, I didn't know that. Also, I didn't know Jane Lynch was in Trick Forever After Two. And yeah. Also, that's what that was like. I think no, I I think that's pre Glee, but she was yeah. very famous, like in the late twenty two thousand nine two thousands. Yes. Yeah, two thousand nine was when Glee was out, and yeah, like she was already famous with Glee at that point. Well, actually, yeah. well, actually, no. Like a lot of people say that she that she peaked that she got famous through Glee when it's actually party down. Yeah, no, she was famous before. I just think that people, yeah, uh, because you watch Glee party was down? so. No, I haven't. Party Down <laughs> is great. Watch Party Down. Okay, I'll I'll put it in my watch list. I uh I have watched Glee partly because it was just so big and ubiquitous that it was kind of inescapable. I but, never watched uh, Glee just because I never watched Glee just because I never got into it, never interested, and now I still, and now, and now I I still am not just because it has not aged well in the fucking slightest. It hasn't at all. No, it hasn't. No, absolutely it really. Not. It, no, no. It really. It, it, it really hasn't. Like, uh, like, like one of the main characters. Like, a, like Will Schuster. Will Schuster is it? It's a fucking problem. He should be in jail. I'm sorry. Oh no, Mr. Shu is is terrible. He becomes more terrible as time goes on. In the first seasons, he his his crimes against humanity are lesser <laughs> but glee goes off the rails like after like in the fourth season it's crazy just how that show sort of fell off so hard so fast mm-hmm. at the height of its fame i think but, it's because like, of like i think because the writer strike already happened or i don't know like maybe it was like a change in leadership that like ryan murphy was busy with american horror story or yeah like, it was that it, yeah, it was okay. because Ryan Murphy kind of retired himself from Glee and he was working more long Here's the thing, though. The but... thing about Ryan Murphy is that, yes, he's like an openly queer man, but he doesn't really know how to write LGBT stories in his movies or shows. He just thinks yeah. that he know, like, like he just thinks that he knows how to adapt LGBT characters by having them spout, but by having them spout trivia, trivia knowledge about the history, about about queer history like no like like no you do it i'm like no like you tell lgbt stories naturally by not by by showing not telling yeah that's one of the things about glee that has that has sort of aged the show is it had a lot of queer representation throughout its entire runtime but some of the characters wound up being just like even if they got a lot of development, they were still like stereotypes in other ways. Um, yeah. But yeah, R- Ryan Murphy has his has his. Uh, I admire a lot of what he represents, but he has a lot of problems in his projects, and they also often start off great or at least very interesting, and then they dip in quality. It's he it's has, like a curse. He has, uh, he actually has dipped in quality. Uh, American Horror Story specifically has dipped in quality. And uh, and a tenth season has already come, has already come out. I believe it has Kim Kardashian, so you know that's gonna be bad. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't I even know they were in season number ten. I thought, yeah, like what? I don't know why I thought they stopped. What the hell were they thinking? And American, yeah. and uh, American Horror Stories, I don't think is great either. Um, 
Um, that uh, that whole like monster like anthology series, like the one, like the one where the actors play the serial killers, the stupidest idea ever. Yeah, and uh, also the ethics. No, no, it's more like it's unethical. Present. The most unethical yeah. shit Netflix has ever done. They would rather do this than make another season, than uh, than ha- than than put out season three of Manhunter. Think about that. Yeah. And it's just like true crime has become something very unethical in general. I'm I'm yeah. kind of <laughs> over it. Um, but Manhunter, but though, Manhunter is amazing, though. Manhunter really... is good. Yeah, it's the exception. But um, David Fincher, the power of David Fincher. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm he's so coming excited out for the killer. The, yeah, the ki- I'm yeah. so excited for the killer. Oh my god. I'm. I haven't seen any trailers. I think I'm gonna sort of. Try yeah, to go yeah. in going, as blind as possible. Go in blind. But, um, the teaser trailer is all you need. I'm going in as blind as possible. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of very cool releases uh, that are uh, slated to come out uh, the second half of this year. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for the Killers of the Flower Moon. Too. This is the thing I'm is that dying. all of these, the thing about it though, is like all of these like major releases that are coming out for the rest of the year are, are pretty much distracting us from the Dune Part 2 delay. Which I'm still pissed about. Oh yeah. Which I'm still pissed off about. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, what the hell were we talking about again? We oh, you mentioned John Ham, Jane. Yeah, Lynch, yeah. I mentioned, I mentioned were... John Ham, and then who, who was and then Jane the... Lynch. Uh, so Craig Robinson voiced Cookie. He's the chimichanga guy, the chimichanga yeah. ogre. Oh, oh this one, no, this chimichanga stand. <laughs> he he is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, and I really... he has the great, the, like the best jokes. Beyond the chimichanga one, I love the when they're like dancing. He yeah. says, I don't remember exactly what he says, but his character is just having such a great time. Yeah, because uh, yeah, he's just he's just grooving. Meanwhile, like all these ogres are dancing without the consent, like without their consent by Pied Piper. By the way, Pied Piper is like already like a scary concept of itself because the whole thing about him is that. He plays the flute to lure children, meaning that he is a serial child kidnapper. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. also the fact that he's sort of like hypnotizing people with music. Yeah. It's like kidnapping them with, uh, I don't know, like it's kind of his flute is kind of like, I don't know, woofing them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know what exactly would be the real world equivalent, but it, it feels very illegal. It's time to pay the piper. No, 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 really. I'm serious. It's time to pay the piper. Get my checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I, I read on IMDb that the person who played the the flute for uh, the piper was like a like one of, or like the best, I think, at the time at least, a uh, 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 flute player in the world. Yeah, yeah, like, an actual flute player who is the son of, who is the son of the guy who wrote the original Shrek, like book, like the short story oh. that it's based on? Oh, that's that's kind of cute. That's adorable. Yeah. It's very yeah, very cute. Yeah. yeah but... and, well, uh, and... um, I think Shrek Forever After has a great cast, and I I like it a fair amount, but it it doesn't measure up to either the first one or the second one but i think it does it a better job it really it, it really doesn't it really you doesn't. could say it's... that you could say that it's best of the trilogy while we can exclude shrek the third which we prefer that it doesn't exist just because yeah because because like you said like 
because like it's not a Shrek movie. It doesn't feel like it's Shrek focused. It's focused on a King Arthur story of kind of like a passing of the torch thing. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. And also Artie's not even he's not even that interesting. He's not even that of an interesting character to me. He's just he's just voiced by Justin Timberlake talking to a mic. It's just Justin Timberlake speaking. Well, I don't know if you know this, but they had uh, Artie scenes recorded for Shrek Forever After. Like he was going to show up and but then they cut them. They cut all of them. Um, So uh, Justin Timberlake ended up being uncredited in the end as none of his (laughs) scenes made it into the final movie. So fucking stupid. Why would you why would you have Arthur be the king of far, far away if you weren't going to mention him at all in the future? Well, well, maybe yeah, in a exactly. potential, maybe in Shrek Five they'll mention him, but I don't know. By the way, yeah. uh, I feel like, I feel like I willed Shrek Five into existence when I did the marathon. I I remember um, there was a rumor of like Shrek Five being announced, but this was like way, 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 way before even like uh, Puss in Boots: uh, The Last Wish was even announced itself. And I remember feeling so excited, but not knowing, like, it was a time when DreamWorks was kind of struggling with, like, their identity. Yeah. Um, and I, I was kind of worried that it was going to be, like, again, a Shrek the Third situation, that it wasn't good. But their, identity, that... their identity for a while was Trolls and Boss Baby. That's about exactly. it. <laughs> and now that they have, like, after Spider-Verse, Son- like, in- Sony's impact in the like mainstream animated movie blockbuster scene i think shrek has been revitalized with puss in boots the last wish but the first puss in boots like spin-off movie it's also it's it's cool too i i like it a fair amount i I, I think that i don't think it's anything special but i think it has some charm i think i'm gonna go a little bit to it's not related specifically to the movie but Antonio Banderas is very beloved in like the entire Spanish speaking hemisphere of the world, partially because he, also, he voices like like, like he also Spanish. did the Spanish dubbing for uh Yeah. Yeah. That's he does like... the dub not just Spanish, but also French and Japanese. Yes. I don't know how. I didn't know he spoke Japanese, but he, he's very beloved in like Latin America in general. And you know especially you know what's interesting. His What's interesting about Antonio Banderas is that he's like he's a multi-generational type talent. Oh yeah. Like like people who grew up in Generation X know know him as like because like throughout the 80s like he had like like he has like a big like a, he has like 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 he has one of the best he, he, like he has one of the most notable actor director collaborations with Pedro Almodovar. And like yeah. he starred in like most of his movies, like um, like he was in most of his movies, like women, women on the verge of a of a, verge nervous, of a break. nervous breakdown. I love that uh, movie so much. It's great. I really like that movie. And oh, um, I... and of course, like the skin I live in, um, topsy turvy type thing. I I I. He was also I, in Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, tie which me up, was like his big down. starring yeah. role. And um, and. He know. he also broke into the English market. It was first thanks to Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown because that that was like Almodovar's first big international hit. Yeah. I have uh, Spanish family, so Almodovar is like a very iconic director for us. 
Nice. And uh, but he also broke into the uh, English market, let's say, like American Hollywood filmmaking scene, thanks to uh, he did um, Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. He also oh, did. The, oh, that's right. He played his boyfriend. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that was also part of like Antonio Banderas' appeal is that like uh, for a, a male movie star in the 90s, he wasn't afraid to like play queer characters which came from his collaboration with Almodovar. He, yeah. Like, he, recently he did a Pain and Glory where he basically plays Almodovar himself in his own biopic. Um, yeah. he's, he's very... Well, that's something I love about Antonio Banderas, personally. Like, he's not afraid of being perceived as... Well, at least in the 90s. Nowadays, it's, like, a little more acceptable. But uh, in the 90s, it was huge because, like, no male movie star wanted to be perceived as queer in any capacity and he wasn't afraid of it at all yeah that's great and like he's known like he's known and and, and i also was gonna say like like people who and also throughout the 90s he did a desperado yeah and the yeah. zorro uh, remake yeah which, yeah and the uh, zorro remake. was a staple in my house yes and um what's and and, and what's kind of appealing about Puss in Boots is that it reunites Antonio and Sama Hayek from uh yeah. from Desperado, which kind of like recaptures like the swashbuckler buckling. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. The swashbuckler type magic from those movies. And um and uh and yeah, and yeah, and same with the last wish a bit, but um but uh but but yeah, like to us he's but 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 like to us he's puss in boots and like uh and 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 in a different generation he's like uh he's a town like like uh like 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 he's stoned for those like latin american movies from pet from from pedro Almodovar and robert rodriguez or whatever so wait oh did, yeah did, did spy uh, kids was a staple in my spy childhood kids, yeah i i, I love uh, i mean they're kind of strange i remember <laughs> in many ways but he's great in those movies I, i've only i've watched spy kids 3d the most i barely not that i barely remember the first two but i know about steve buscemi's supporting supporting yeah. role in spy kids 2 where he says something like uh do you think god stays in heaven or whatever the fuck he says i love that it's so like profound and philosophical and it's like spy kids <laughs> of all movies it comes from spy kids but yeah. i uh, okay talking about like a little uh pause but when it came to the robert rodriguez films the one i watched the most was shark boy and lava girl it's like oh, yeah. constantly Same. on rotation on tv like my last year my brother was sick at the hospital he's fine now but when okay. i stayed over the only thing they played on TV that night was Shark Boy and Lava Girl, so I just stayed up all night. The watching. only thing, nothing else was on. Was that yeah, the only well, channel at the hospital? Yeah, they. Yeah, I don't know exactly. I think it was Cartoon Network. I think, but they were they were doing like a Robert Rodriguez marathon, and I caught like okay. from the beginning Shark Boy and Lava Girl, and it was great. I love that movie. It's it's insane. <laughs> But uh, going back to Puss in Boots, the Puss in Boots, I remember I loved, I saw it in theaters when it came out and I loved it uh, in part because, uh, well, one, it's both uh, 
Salma and Antonio Banderas voice themselves in Spanish as well. Like they dub themselves in Spanish and that's always like a big uh, deal. I don't, it's like a big cultural thing. And when it comes to Hollywood movies in Latin America, when people like voice themselves or dub themselves. Um, I remember when the Lorik, the Lorks came out, one of the taglines, at least in Latin America, was that Danny DeVito did his own voicing in Spanish. <laughs> Um, did he? But, I didn't. Yeah. That, I didn't know that he. I didn't even know that he's. That I didn't even know that he spoke Spanish. I didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, me neither. But he had a very thick accent. But it was it was very charming. And the other thing that I loved about Puss in Boots, uh, the first one, uh, was also that I read and that this sort of confirmed my suspicion. They planned the Puss in Boots uh, spinoff to sort of happen in the same world as Shrek, but they wanted it to feel very different. So yeah. while Shrek had a lot, a lot of fairy tale characters, like they have Pinocchio and they have the three little pigs and the wolf dressed as the grandmother, they toned it down significantly for the Puss in Boots uh, movie, at least this one, like in Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, they sort of go back to this like same Shrek MO, but it ended wanted it to feel very much like uh, sort of like a Western uh, the swashbuckling, but also mixing it with Western elements, with the taverns and uh, yeah. running from the law and uh, Humpty Dumpty being kind of like a, a shady character of sorts. Um, I, I thought it was, I think it's pretty neat, like all this uh, mixing and max, uh, matching of different inspirations and genres. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think uh I think that's interesting. Um what was I gonna what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, uh oh my god, uh we didn't even talk about Pinocchio. Uh I think that's my oh, favorite. Yeah. I think that's my favorite version of I think that's my favorite version of Pinocchio. You wanna know why? Because because uh because my head canon says that he's queer. He wears ladies' underwear. <laughs> Well, do you? Well, certainly I'm not. What? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great scene. That's very quotable. I there's also like a scene where he's doing, I think, drag at some point. But it's uh, I think he's a very like great play on Pinocchio, especially with the the way they they use his nose uh, to laugh and uh, to make jokes out of. Um, it's very talk. What's a good, no, no, go uh, ahead. What's, yeah, yeah. What's a what's a really good coincidence about that is that in twenty is like you know last year with the last wish we had uh we had we had a uh, we had a Jiminy Cricket in Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio we had we also had a Jiminy Cricket the same year and uh, you want to know who voiced the Commandante in Puss in Boots? Uh, who I do yeah. know. The great Guillermo del Toro himself. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's adorable. Mm -hmm. uh, like, makes you wonder if Guillermo del Toro ever thought about ever thought about even directing that movie, or he might have been a producer. Who knows? I think I think I think that's the appeal about it. It might have it might it might have been produced by him. I'm a big del Toro head. Oh, del Toro is great. He's also again one of those directors that's very beloved um, in Latin America. I know he's very, very beloved in, well, Mexico, of course. Uh, yeah. But I think he's he's one of those directors that has managed to 
keep his own idiosyncratic like authorial voice intact even when he's doing like franchises mm -hmm. so sort of like again adapting hellboy but he adapts hellboy in a way that's so waiting so on hellboy distinctly 3. yeah i still i still want oh hellboy yeah three. Oh my god and blade 2 is awesome i really like blade 2 Oh, I haven't watched Blade Two. I need Blade to was, put that on yeah, my yeah, watch. Yeah, Blade Two is great. If you've seen the, but uh, but but of course you got to watch the first Blade though. But Blade Two has like a really good story on its own. So, oh, good yeah. to hear. Yeah, I've I've been sometimes when it comes to like mm -hmm. sequels of Actually, uh, the early action superhero adaptations, I kind of slack there because. Well, a lot of people sort of dismiss those movies in general, but many of them are very, very cool. Like they're very creative, and um, I I like them very much, personally speaking. Okay, uh, I have to pee real quick, so I have to, so uh, so I have to pause the recording. Be right back. Hey, oh, hello, hey, oh, I'm back. I have returned. Uh, oh, okay, I saw a notification. Okay, we're back. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, like, uh, Humpty, uh, Zach Galifianakis is, um, Humpty Dumpty in Puss in Boots, I think is good. You know, like, it's a very, what's that? It's a really good boat. I think it's a really good voice performance, I think, from what I remember. And, um, and the whole, like, um, and the whole, like, world building surrounding, like, the Jack and the Beadstock type thing with, like, the Golden Goose. I think that's, I think that's nice, but again, nothing special. I don't know. I think it's a very solid movie, like much yeah. more than say like Shrek the Third, even though there's it's a spin-off, not inherently part of the Shrek franchise in that way. But it's like kind of it it's it's a little too safe. It's like, oh, it's this adventure movie where they have like it's kind of a heist movie. There's they steal the goose and then there's a betrayal and everything, but it's not extremely memorable otherwise it's a it's a good first entrance but of course like the one that like takes the cake is of course last wish that just blows mm -hmm. the first movie out of the water in it's every just sense of the word i think it's just as perfect as shrek 2 if not yeah i don't think it's better for a while i've said that it might be dream that it might be dreamworks best movie but i think that but I think that goes to the Prince of Egypt. Oh, interesting! Yeah, that that movie is. I I I really like those early DreamWorks movies, Prince of yeah, Egypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back when like, yeah, yeah. Back when DreamWorks like uh, adapted Bible stories like that, like that That's was great. And then like, like they adapted at least two Bible stories. And then you have The Road to El Dorado. You have um, you ever seen that Sinbad movie? Sinbad oh Legend yeah, my cousin yes, yes, loved Sinbad it. Legend I watched of the it seven all the seas. time. All the time. I loved it. It it was it's amazing. I think my favorite out of the like let's say the more comedic ones is Road to El Dorado because I just love Kenneth Branagh's character so much. Oh yeah. Uh, Miguel and Tulio are just so great. Um comedic duo, uh, honestly. Yeah, amazing. And um, uh and you know, like uh, those those movies, Road to El Dorado and uh and Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, uh, they pretty much made me the man I am today, you know? Oh, that's fun. I, I, <laughs> Listen, I think all I'm that saying, the... All I'm saying is, like, like you know, the goddess Marina in Sinbad? 
She's gorgeous. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, yeah, she's <laughs> listen, very beautiful. Listen, that like, seems she, amazing. Listen, like if she framed me for uh, for stealing the book of peace, I wouldn't mind. You know, I would have been flattered. <laughs> I don't know. I remember. I also like the biblical ones are very interesting because they're, of course, made for kids and animated, but also kind of dark, even if they're keeping a child friendly atmosphere in a sense. Uh, I'm oh, I'm generally fascinated by like biblical adaptations in movies. They're they tend to be mm -hmm. very interesting, and they also I think they did the spirit, the one with the horse. I love I, spirit. I it, spirit is here. Great. I am. This is me. And um, the world is so wild and free. It's a new world. It's a new life. There's a light at the beating of a young heart. Love. I love, listen, Brian Adams can fucking get it. That soundtrack is great. I really love Spirit. I revisited it this year and I loved it just as much as I was a five-year-old. I sang along to all those songs that I didn't even know what they were about. I just, I heard a soothing voice and I sing along to it. That was all. And I liked horses. Who didn't? I don't know. Oh, yeah. The horses are very, very, very beautiful. Like, beautifully drawn in that movie. Um, My favorite is still Road to El Dorado, even if um, I think it's partly because it tackles colonial, like, uh, Spanish history, even though it's extremely inaccurate, historically speaking. Um, Cortes mm -hmm. was looking for El Dorado, but the soundtrack is great, and I just love uh, the accents, and Kenneth Branagh especially and the jokes, it's just, I, I think it's... And they're from Spain. Uh, out of the... Yeah. Uh, yeah. The first... The first uh, from the first uh, DreamWorks movies, those are the best. But I think that with Last Wish, they sort of have also entered a new era of... Like, I like how the Shrek movies look generally, but it's true that, like, in comparison to more recent animated movies, they do look a little bland, but that was, like, the style like of early 3D animated blockbusters. But Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, again, it's all into the Spider-Verse. Uh, yeah, the like we gotta, of... we gotta think into the Spider-Verse for that type of style. I would say into the Spider-Verse is more like how Toy Story revolution revolutionized animation for the next like 30 years. Absolutely. Like if Toy Story was the first like viable uh 3d animated first like blockbuster then uh into the spider-verse is like the first animated blockbuster that has a, a a style that is so creative and every frame is just like its own uh beautiful masterpiece on its own it's just amazing and i also love how they mix like traditional 2d animation with 3d graphics yeah, like that's pretty much kind of like the norm now. Like having this like two point five D animation that uh yeah. that uh that we've now come to expect. Whereas like we've kind of like grown tired of the traditional like of the traditional CG animation, you know, like um Yeah. Like uh why do you think because like because this year across the Spider-Verse like grossed more than Elemental did. Well, I mean, Elemental has been catching up as of lately. 
which was weird. And uh, Mutant Mayhem did make money, but it then went straight to digital after a month of being released, which is so fucking stupid. Like, why would you even do that? It's been out for a month. Usually, usually when when movies go on digital, it doesn't happen for four months. Like, why why are we doing this? Like, do people just yeah. don't go to the movies anymore? Granted, granted, COVID happened, and a lot of people want to like would would rather like stay home and watch a movie, and and also because like it's expensive now to see a movie, like 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 nowadays it costs like 60 bucks to see a movie like uh that and, and that costs like and, and that includes like 30 dollars like and that includes like 30 dollars of getting a ticket 10 dollars for a water and 20 bucks for a, for uh for popcorn well like if it's what 60 dollars in the united states it's like roughly around the same here. Well, when converted to Colombian peso, it. But um, uh, yeah, movie ticket prices have gotten increasingly expensive here as well. And I think another thing is that um, there are people that kind of like if because you're gonna pay to watch a movie right at the movie theater, then sometimes people just sort of want to reserve it for something they they think is gonna be good, and so mm-hmm. like. If people think that Elementals is not gonna be good, they're not like they're not gonna bother, right? But for example, yeah. something like a- across the Spider Verse has a lot of hype and excitement, and also people don't want to like have the movie spoiled to them. That's how the MCU has like m- been able to fill movie theaters, even if the prices are still increasing, even though they've been they've been flopping hard <laughs> this year. Yeah. Um, have but that was kind of like their formula right like you wanted to go see it before anyone else so you could like not have anything spoiled but i'm glad that at least uh in my experience um uh the last wish had a lot of attendance and through word of mouth like i didn't see trailers for the movie personally i did maybe i just okay maybe i I thought the teaser trailer was really good i was impressed okay I saw I, the first I heard about the movie was when I was riding the bus because they started putting the like posters on bus stops. But I, I didn't see any teaser trailer or either on TV or in 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 the movie theater like it, before any other movies. But it was recommended to me by my friends, and I also saw that on Letterboxd, people were going crazy over that movie, and yeah. I'm really glad it grew thanks to word of mouth. Um, because that movie is just great. Like, yeah, it's a sequel, but it's a very, very original sequel that's a huge labor of love. I love it so much. I love it so dearly. It's great. Yeah, and uh, and of course, like a lot of the things that make Close to Boots, The Last Lewis great is like not just the animation, but I think like Antonio Banderas gives like his best vocal performance as Puss and Boots to me. and um, And also like... And also, like all of the, and also like the rest of the supporting talent is great. You have Florence Pugh as Goldilocks. You have, um, and of course you have Harvey Guion, Guion. Yeah. I I, I I I I can't. Oh, Guion. Okay. As the as Perito, I thought he was. I thought he was good. And um, oh my God. And Wagner Mura as Death the Wolf. Oh my god! I thought oh, he was such that a was scary. Amazing. He was so scary and effective. Like uh, no, no, 
no like he's like to, to, to have a wolf become the embodiment of death and be this like and be and be the opposite species to puss is so interesting to see right hello hi uh they okay i think i think her screen froze it's kind of um, great oh sorry hello i'm sorry hello hello yeah yeah your your screen froze your oh yeah my, mine too my screen in general just froze um oh no my internet connection is bad it's okay that's okay um okay i think it's stable now great uh yeah i really i i think that also puss in boots the last wish i saw it both dubbed and in its original english because the first time i went to see it uh it wasn't available dubbed but it was uh it was great in spanish um but i really enjoyed in the in the english dub i love that florence Pugh did like this chav british accent like yeah like guy ritchie uh, sort of uh gangster accent it was amazing and then in uh, oh, the it Spanish definitely dog. kind of feels like a Guy Ritchie movie for sure. Like oh, especially, absolutely. like especially the scene where like Puss and Kitty reunite when they uh when they try to like get the map to the to the to the star thing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very yeah, yeah. It's very Guy Ritchie. Hey, I'm stealing this. Well, I want it too. You know, yeah. <laughs> and also and John Mulaney like... uh. Uh, also, I think John Mulaney sounds weird in this movie. I think he's, I think he's like the, I, I think he's kind of the weak link to it. Oh, absolutely. Because well, like, because my like hot take. Because he's John Mulaney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, yeah, what's your hot take? But Sorry. he's he's not. Um, my hot take is that because I saw it both in its Spanish dub and uh, then I saw it later in English. Uh, the I'm trying to look for his name, but the person who dubbed uh, Jack Horner in Spanish did an amazing job. The voice has so much personality. Um, oh, really? Oh, it was. It's Facey. He's a, like a like a musician. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Oh, what? <laughs> it's kind of like uh, Bad Bunny's cameo in Bullet Train. He's a um, Facey is a I don't know where he's from. Uh, he's a Mexican uh, actor, but he does like, I don't know, maybe you can try to find um, for the listeners, try and look for clips of Puss in Boots, The Last Wish uh, in Latin American Spanish on YouTube, because the dubbing of Jack Horner by Faze is just amazing. He he has like this, he gives him like this funny accent, like the hoity-toity accent sort of. And John Mulaney just delivers it very flat, I think. I don't know. He just kind of showed up and... yeah. Like, for example, in contrast to Spider-Ham, like, for Spider-Ham, he did a voice. Like, he give him, like, little character quirks. But here, he's just, like, speaking his normal speaking voice. And that, I think, it's, like, the weakest part of the movie. But mm -hmm. other than that, um, well, before I, I move on, I also wanted to point out in the Spanish dub for uh, Last Wish, when characters have British accents in American films, yeah, uh, they usually give them, like, a different Latin American accent in um, Latin, in the Latin American dubs, and uh, Goldilocks is Argentinian <laughs> in <laughs> the Latin American dub, and it's really funny, especially because uh, because the um, 
World Cup was going on, people were like obsessed with Argentina and Messi in general. And so they kind of include jokes about soccer and all, all oh that. Oh my God. And... The FIFA, the FIFA Cup during Thanksgiving was such a wild time. Oh, it was weird. It was very weird, especially, well, at least to me, because like usually the World Cup coincides with summer, with like you're on vacation. Um, yeah. here it like I was deep into like my finals and people were trying to go and see the matches while still having time to study it was kind of crazy but uh yeah I don't know I don't know if they're gonna do that again uh but yeah I think uh the last wish is just so so good I also really like the depiction of like anxiety uh with pussy boots like sort of admitting perfect, that he's afraid the perfect depiction of a panic attack in this movie yeah it's Just beautiful so great oh my god this is like this is coming from a guy who uh who uh who has anxiety like uh this like this really spoke to me on a personal level oh like really... same i i felt it was very like specifically it was very lovely like specifically when like puss is like panting out of control by a tree and he's comforted by his dog. <gasps> Perito, I, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's comforted by Perito, I, I, I felt that. I felt that so bad. Just because, like, just because I have a dog, and like, whenever, like, I feel anxious, like, like, uh, Paco would like comfort me, you know, or like not. Or, oh, or, or, that's terrible. Or, or like not just Paco, but like my previous two dogs, like, also comforted me as well. So. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, the yeah. movie portrays that really well. And I also really like like it. It's for a kid's movie or like a movie meant for a family audience, let's say. It tackles the like the fear of death and themes of mortality very uh, maturely. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't uh, uh, tiptoe around it. Yeah. It like confronts uh, Puss in Boots with his fear of like, yeah, you, you don't you don't have any more nine lives like this is your last one. And the conclusion, like the theme at the end, that instead of trying to sort of use the wish to get them back, but um, make the best of the life that you have, it's just, it's very moving to me, at least. Yeah. I find it very, very beautiful. Well said. At the end of the day, there's only one life to live, and that's your own, you know? Yeah. And also, I also find the arc with, I, I think it's very funny how there's like, Puss in Boots, who has like this existent existential dread, and then Goldilocks, who kind of wants to use her wish to like meet her real human family, but at the end she learns that her bear family is uh, more than enough, and they love her just as much as any other person would. And then you have like Jack Horner just being terrible the entire movie; yeah. like he has no redeeming qualities. He's just awful. It's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's just very funny. He treats he, tre- I mean, after all, he treats his cronies like shit, and and uh, and Jiminy's trying trying his best to like change him. He's like, oh, you you're not gonna shoot oh, Puppy, yeah. are you? Yeah, in the face. Watch. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is awful. You're awful. Oh, what took you so long, idiot? Ow! Oh yeah, it's it's great. I think it's kind of a. Because you're sort of expecting that maybe he has like a tragic backstory, but no, he's just no. like he's just terrible. And there's also he's like just, the, the Pinocchio terrible, cameo there. He's just a terrible guy. And like in my opinion, I don't really 
I don't think any villain needs a backstory. Villains are villains yeah. because they're bad. We don't know. We don't need to know why they're bad. Sorry, like, uh, like, uh, sorry, MCU fans, but that's how I feel. I like Eric. As much as I love Killmonger and Thanos, at the end of the day, not every villain needs to have a tragic backstory. Okay. Yeah. I think that Killmonger is like the best example of like a sympathetic villain in the MCU, but then it becomes really tired. Like yeah. they sort of do it or, or, or they started doing it like with almost every movie and it loses its impact the more they did it. It, it was best when it was like once in a while, but then now it's kind of like so formulaic, it's boring. So I, I really enjoyed Jack Corner in that respect because he was just like terrible <laughs> and Jiminy Cricket uh, like reinforces that and uh, like for example in the scene with the carnivorous like flowers um oh yeah like half of his cronies die and he doesn't care he's like okay fine let's move on yeah and, and yeah and he also like burns them with a flamethrower I think a flamethrower yeah. was involved yeah you have to stop and smell the flowers they didn't they didn't do that. They see something in the way and they try to fight it. They didn't even they didn't even do what Perito did. Oh yeah. yeah oh I, yeah. He's so adorable. Like yeah. he, he's a great like little sidekick. <laughs> yeah. He's like uh Puss's uh, donkey in that way. But yeah. instead of being so like, you know, Eddie Murphy quipping all around, he's just like very adorable. But also he has a very sad story. Like there's the scene where he starts like mentioning how like, oh, people call me perrito, but sometimes they call me stupid and dumb and ugly and like Kitty and Puss are like, oh, oh no, like you're abused. <laughs> you're a victim. Yeah. And he, yeah. And the sad thing is, is that he didn't even know it yeah. because he's a puppy. And like mainly children don't know that they are abused. So, and that's the tragic thing about it. Yeah. Yeah, it touches on the movie manages to touch on many uh like very serious topics, but in a way that's accessible to everyone. It's it's very very well made. Yeah, yeah, which is why I think it's probably top five. Yeah, yeah, probably top five DreamWorks movie to me. Uh oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. So I have the last wish at five. Four is um how to train your dragon two. My. Th my third is Spirit, Sally the Cimarron. My two, my number two is well Shrek two. Uh, number one, Prince of Egypt. Oh, if I had to do a top five, I'd say mine would be maybe this is a little controversial, but Last Wish at number one. I just really love that movie. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> number two, Shrek two. Well, it's partly because I just love the art style. I just love the the Spider Verse. Uh, uh, 2.5 D uh, animation style so much it's so beautiful and I also really like Puss in Boots redesign they make him like cuter like yes. less realistic and a little bit like even anime like to a point like he yeah, very big, yeah, he's sparkly a, yeah, eyes yeah he's a bit anime like yeah yeah and so um, that would be number one number two I'd say Shrek 2 then I'd say um, uh, Road to El Dorado and then Number four, Megamind. Megamind is great. I love Megamind it. Megamind at Fey. four. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's just that I, I have to make choices, right? I would, if, if I could not rank them, I wouldn't rank them. I love them equally, but I, I think 
Road to Eldorado is not as good as Megamind, but personally, I, I just really love it. I love that it has music by Elton John. I love the character. So it's my bias. <laughs> I'm being biased. Or but Megamind it, is amazing. Or is it because... Or, or, or is, is it because Metro Man slightly looks like Markiplier? He does. He absolutely does. Um, wait, wait. You watch Markiplier, don't you? Yes, I, I did. Like, earlier. Like, okay. when I was in middle school, I loved, like, Let's Play I mean, YouTube. But I still I mean, like, have a soft spot for Markiplier. I mean, yeah. Who didn't watch Five Nights at Freddy's videos with Markiplier as a, absolutely. As a child? Like, who, who, who didn't? Yeah, like I was too afraid to play them myself, so I would watch Markiplier, and occasionally I'll watch like his like not non gaming videos, like the ones where he uh, I don't brother, know, eats all the. Brother, why, why, why is <laughs> Wait, isn't isn't the Five Nights at Freddy's movie slated to come yes. out later this year? Oh, yes, wow. it is. Next... Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Uh, October twenty seventh, I believe. And I'll be set. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm gonna I think it's gonna come out on Halloween here. Um movies tend to come a little later, like a couple of days later. But yeah. it's like it's gonna be well, I hope it's good. If it's bad, it's gonna be very terrible. I don't but think it, uh, I don't think it I don't think it will be. No, it it looks good. The trailer makes it look good. Um but it's it's gonna be it's like crazy. I don't know, from like an indie internet uh horror video game to a movie it's just like it's very inspirational and um but going back to my top five i'd say like to close out um i'd say the first wreck like again it's very good and i don't <laughs> think it's quality wise deserves number five spot i'm just emotionally i'm putting it at number five i don't like it as much as uh the first four <laughs> okay yeah but is there anything else that you like about megamind Oh, I love, I love, um, I really loved Metro Man as a kid. Uh, I okay, like back then. I really liked Brad Pitt as a, a child. Now he's um, he's he's fallen from grace, uh, rightfully so. But uh, I thought he was like very funny, uh, especially considering that I never thought of Brad Pitt. As yeah, a that uh, that whole thing where actor. he like where he like inter- where, where he like interfered an audition for Helena Bonham's character was was a bit disgusting and also like and also the rumors about like brad and angelina's marriage how he was a bit controlling yeah yeah but yeah he's he's definitely he he sort of from what i knew he was kind of denying everything but then all of a sudden like they sort of settled out of court and so it's very suspicious and i don't know um but beyond that, something else I like about Megamind is Minion. I just think he has a very cool design, like the little fish head with the giant oh, robot yeah. body. I, I thought that was amazing. And I also really like the whole, whole like how subversive it was with um, Jonah Hill's character. I forgot his name, but he's like the nerd who becomes the superhero, but then he becomes Hal. like a terrible guest. Hal becomes like just an asshole. And, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, such a shame that Jonah Hill turned out to be an asshole in real life. Oh, I didn't know that either. Oh my Wait, god! Wait, you don't know? You don't no, know? I didn't. Oh, you don't know about one of his exes? So, uh, there was a whole thing that came out where, like, 
where like he berated on how his girlfriend looked on social media and uh it, it, it was something along the lines of like his body that is like reaching that is like overstepping his boundaries meaning that meaning that like 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 meaning that like he was like very like he felt very subconscious about how he looked and it was like very like sensitive to him so like he basically manipulated the whole situation on keeping his ex under control and it was like oh, very no. like yeah yeah and it was like very disgusting and it was like very disgusting and disgusting and dehumanizing of him and it's such a shame because because i really thought that he became a better human being because of his like because of his like movie because of his movie about his therapist like uh, oh yeah 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 no, what a shame i i think that out of like that generation of sort of com- like young comedians in the oh, 2000s that oh are now God. entering and apparently so do you know who alexa nicholas is no from zoe 101 Oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, she, I think she, I know who yeah, she yeah. is. She played one of her friends. Yeah, now she's an anti. Yeah, yeah, like now she's a Me Too activist, kinda. So like, basically, she called out. She called out Jonah Hill on Twitter, saying that like he was at like a party that consisted of teenage girls. It was him, Justin Long, and um, and another actor who was in who was in like a few movies but yeah like she basically called him out on his behavior too oh oh that's so weird i do i do remember he was being criticized for like a scene in mid 90s where like alexa demi's character kisses a little boy like the protagonist and uh but yeah that's that's weird that's so gross yeah absolutely i think that out of like why did you tell her to out kiss of, a little boy? What is wrong with I, you? No, but I, I, at the end, I think she came out and said that it was like a... Um, they used like camera trickery. It was like using shadows. So she oh. then came out... She, she, not Jonah Hill. Alexa Demi came out and said that she didn't actually kiss him. It was just made oh, to look like she did. God. Yeah, oh, so thank God, God for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I think out of the... like super bad generation of comedians uh michael sarah is like the only one who's he's who, pure michael sarah is remains, the purest yeah. of them all <laughs> i really like him as alan and barbie the... he was great oh he was great uh are you excited for the um uh scott pilgrim anime of course i am i love scott pilgrim oh me too uh did you read the graphic novels too is it i that? have I know not people... i have okay. i have not and i've yet to like play the video game Okay, I before I saw yes, the movie, I yes, read the novel. Yes, there is a game and, on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, and I, I I I played the game and read the novels before I watched the movie. So I just love everything Scott Pilgrim. Um, and I think I think the movie is great, but it's kind of a weird adaptation. But it's great; it's amazing. So, yeah. but I'm glad that maybe with a TV series, they can sort of adapt it more faithfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so too. Anyway, uh. So, 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 so you liked Minion, you liked, uh, so you basically liked how Hal became a bad guy. 
Well, yeah, he's kind of a, that word insult didn't exist back then, but it's kind of a criticism of that. Like, he's super weird around, I think her name is Roxanne, Tina Fey's character. Oh, like, yeah, Roxanne. He feels very entitled to her affection. And then <laughs> both her and Megamind sort of teach him that, no, you're not entitled to anyone's affection. It's very, like, it feels very uh, pre prescient of the whole incel crisis of sorts. Yeah, like it's very incelly, and that's what I kind of don't like about Megamind. But uh, but but I like it for the nostalgia factor of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I loved it when I saw it in theaters, and also like it's just uh at least the the first time I saw it, the fact that like Metroman dies halfway through, or not even yeah. halfway through, like at the very beginning, was is a big plot twist. You're like, what? It was very shocking to me, and mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just very funny in general. I just think it's a great comedy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a it's a great comedy, but I but 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 definitely not in my top five. I have it like at an eight. Yeah. No ten. I have it at a ten. Yeah. Yeah, I have a I have a whole DreamWorks ranking thing on Letterboxd If you want to look at that. Okay, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, I'm very yeah. bad at ranking movies in general. That's okay. <laughs> because I can't, I can't, I, I, I wish I could like have ties on Letterbox, like put two different movies at number one. But if only, well, if mean, only we can, but we don't, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Letterbox is an amazing app. They have so many features already. It's crazy. And I don't know if you heard, but they're planning on, on I don't know how it's gonna work. But they're trying to implement that. You know how on Letterbox, at least if you have a pro, uh, you can see uh, which movies are playing in your favorite services. They're gonna yeah, start. I um, think that's what I heard. They're gonna show if it's playing in a theater near you. Well, I'm, well, I'm a patron, so yeah. Does it does it does it have that feature? Does it have that feature for patron users or? Oh, no. I, I think there's it's still in development. I don't know. I okay. don't know if it's available yet, but I heard they, they announced it under Instagram. Mm. All right. Yeah. Uh, I guess. I, yeah. I guess that's about does it for our Shrek yeah. discussion. Uh, this was fun talking to you. Thank you for coming on the show, Isabel. Thank you so much. It's been it's been an honor to have you here uh oh, thank you yeah, yeah yeah no problem uh okay um so yes um this podcast is in support of the strike the link uh the link to the sag after a link is gonna be in the description below and um you can follow i'm on instagram letterboxd you know the deal you know I got my that uh, my links are going to be on the bottom are, are going to be below and Isabel where can they find you uh you can find me on letterbox as a uh, username Isabel like with two uh, v's like the witch uh, Robert Eagers um I'm witch. also yeah it's amazing it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time nice. um you can also find me on Instagram as Isabel underscore mp3 um and that's about it okay Great. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and I will see you guys uh, next time. Goodbye.